ready. All right. Welcome to the Ed Fernandez Show. I'm Tom Roussel, and with me, Ed Fernandez. As always, the man. Let's go. Well, we got an interesting topic today, Ed. Staying humble in wealth. That's That's hard. That's a deep one. That is no joke. Right. So, I mean, why don't we get right into it? Let's do a little watch check. What do you got on? (laughs) Oh, it's my... uh, my Royal Oak 50th anniversary. So I've got a black, I got a green, I got a blue. I just love some AP. Well, you got multi-million dollar businesses. You yeah. got the AP yeah. among others. Yeah. But it didn't start out like that. No, it did not start out like so that. So for the listeners that don't know you, yeah, why don't you talk about you had humble beginnings? Of course, yeah. So... You know, my wife and I, right, I'm married to my wife, Ruth, for 26 years. Both of us, I think she was worse than I. I mean, I uh, was born in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. Uh, Come to find out, my mom and dad never got married. I thought they were married. They never got married. And so my dad left uh, and went to Brooklyn, New York when I was two years old. Um, And so I left Puerto Rico and went to Brooklyn, uh, you know, I lived there in New York for like maybe since I was like 11 or 12 years old and uh, and then came out to Cali. But my, my dad was never involved in my life ever. And, you know, it, it, it makes it hard, you know, when you're a little boy and and your dad is not involved, right? I can remember you know, birthdays and Christmases and things like that. And he, he was never, ever around. I really didn't even, I mean, I can remember talking to him a few times on the phone, but uh, really not that much. But so I grew up poor, right? So we, we when I say poor, uh, I'm talking about food stamps and welfare. Now I think they call it EBT, right? You get like this credit card thingy. But back then they had like rainbow colored money. Um, and, uh, so we, you know, and then the government would send us checks. And so, you know, we were poor, uh, we couldn't, we couldn't afford, you know, I lived in Fullerton and it was a two bedroom apartment. It was me, my mom and my little brother, Alex. And, uh, you know, the first and the 15th was important, right? Um, you know, but, you know, I always thought, I always knew, God, I would go to the store and just fill shirts and go, wow. This isn't so nice. And I'd see guys driving really nice cars. And, you know, I lived in Fullerton. And in Fullerton, you know, for those viewers, it's North Orange County, right? We're now in Irvine. And Irvine is literally five minutes from Newport Beach. So I'd come to Newport Beach, go to the Newport Beach pier and go fishing. My mom would come. We'd take the bus, right? And we'd have our fishing poles, and we'd have our buckets and we'd go to the Newport Beach Pier and go fishing. But when you come this way, it's like, wow. Right. All these people are so rich. Well, it's like you cross a line and suddenly the road is wider. Yeah. It's smooth. No There's potholes. No trash. No graffiti. There's trees lining the streets. No homeless. Right. Right, it, it, it's completely... It was a different world. Different world. So, yeah, so, you know, I kind of didn't know, but I always envied, like, wow, man, these people got it so nice. Because I remember, you know, uh, my mom, she used to clean pots and dishes for uh, St. Joseph Hospital. So she worked in the cafeteria and she used to walk to work, and it would be like six, seven miles to walk to work. To the and point, Fullerton gets hot. Yeah, and and you know there was times where she could only afford to buy herself flip flops. She couldn't afford us to buy shoes for herself because she bought it for me and my brother. Because me and my brother, we would go to school with last year's clothes. Right. And then two weeks later, we were able to buy some some new clothes and and she tried to give us everything. You know, she she denied herself and gave it to all of us. But so it was, 
you know, we were, we were, we were poor. And then and, and for Ruth, she was born in an actual cave with bats an and act- everything, an, an actual, actual cave. cave, like a cave cave in, in, in Durango, Mexico. Right. Right. And so she was like in a cave, right? At least you were born uh, in a hospital. Yeah, in a hospital. She was born in the cave. I mean, like that's a whole other level. Right. Right. So both of us, you know, came from, from, you know, we weren't, we were we didn't have money. So it, it was, it wasn't easy. We didn't know any different though. Cause we were little kids, but when you became a teenager, Oh yeah. You oh, get you picked kn- on. Then you knew, you knew like, wow, we, we, we're poor. But you always, like you were saying, you were feeling the nice clothes. Yeah. I know you, once you, and these are just stories from you or Ruth, but I know you, you go to the swap meet and get your friend, you know, once you were a teenager and able to make some money, you know, getting jobs and whatever, uh, you would always stay fresh and stay nice, right? You took care of what, you've always taken care of what you had. Yeah. Well, you know, I... For a little bit of period of time, uh, I I did some not so good things. I won't get into great detail, but those not so good things made me money, right? Because my mom couldn't do it. And once I got to an age where I took my own destiny in my hands, I went the wrong direction for a little bit. Never got in trouble for it by the grace of God, but I went in the wrong direction. I made some money. Right, and I was able to go buy my own clothes, able to go buy my own shoes, able to buy my little brother some clothes and things like that. So we would buy our clothes from the swap meet, but nobody knew any different. I mean, I'd buy my clothes from the swap meet and still look like I was a million bucks. (laughs) All right, Right. I felt like a million bucks, Uh Um, but I I took things into my own hands because I, I, you know, my mom couldn't do it. So, you know, um, but that that was the that was the start of being an entrepreneur. Right. Which I didn't know I was. Right. And why don't we get into your your journey wasn't like this in wealth or. Yeah, no. Money. Yeah. Money you were making was not like this. No. God, no. It was more of a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so in 1995, I got saved. Right. So I'm a I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not a Christian. Okay. I just wanna we won't go into what the differences are. That's probably another okay, that's episode. a whole other thing. But I love me my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? So I got saved. And when I got saved, my life changed dramatically, right? Uh that's when I became very, very responsible. Uh that's when I actually took on a job. Uh, and my job was uh, being a produce manager at a health food score, store. And then from there, you know, uh, God opened up a great opportunity for me to be uh, involved in selling precious metals. How that's, you know, that's a long story in episode one. But, you know, it was it was a door that opened for me and uh, ended up getting one of the largest clients there and making a tremendous amount of money there. And I thought it was a tremendous amount of money, but it was the most amount of money that I've ever, ever made at that time. But then I realized, um, you know, I, I was good at what I did. I was a sales guy, you know, I was really good at what I did. And so, uh, you know, I made decent money there, decent money to support at the time, you know, I got married to Ruth and I think my son Darian was coming, right? Who's 25 as of today, right? Happy birthday, Happy Darian. Happy birthday, D. Whoop, whoop. Um, he runs the sound. Yeah, for, yeah he's right just, there. So he's 25 years old today. But my son was, uh, you know, I think he was like six, seven months years old. And, uh, you know, went from there and then um, worked with your dad for 14 years um, at Cornerstone Ventures. And at that place, uh, learned everything that I know today. And even there with your dad it was a struggle. I remember a lot of times I quit like five times quit five times. I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? I'm working here, not getting paid. There's no money. And every time I quit, God would say, you trust me? I said, yeah, I trust you. Turn around, go back. Man. So I turn around and go back, but I learned so much, right? But even in that time, 
even that was a tough time because in 2008, I lost everything, right? Uh, it was, you know, we had a house, we had cars, but we were so over leveraged. And then the Great Recession hit, we lost everything. I had to give the house back, the cars back. And we leased a house for 10 years. We would two-year lease, move. Another two-year lease, move. We didn't own anything for, for 10 years. Um, so, yeah, it was an absolute roller coaster. Uh, didn't happen automatically, uh, but we're here now. Well, and even here, I mean, I remember, I don't know if you remember when, when I started back in 2016, you know, I was in a season of life looking for the next thing. It was time for me to move on from what I was doing. Right. And <laughs> you saw my wife at church and he's like, you were like, what's Tom doing? Yeah. What's he up to? We need marketing here. Yeah. And I just remember coming back. I was, I was on a bachelor party and I sold, I, I spent all my money to go because it was a really good friend of mine, my best friend. And I was like, I'm coming back to nothing. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm coming back to nothing. That's crazy. So on my way home, uh-huh. uh, I get a text, saw Ed at church. He wants to know if you're interested in a position. I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. So, because we had worked together for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You knew I could do the job. Yeah, of course. You know, we, worked, yeah. We, we worked closely together. So I came, <clears throat> I got home and that was on a Sunday. And I think I texted you on Monday and said, hey, I, you know, I know you talked to Kiva, my wife. And you said, can you come in? Was, that's how you, that's how you do stuff right away. Yeah. You're not waiting. I'm not interview and oh, let, me, right. let me check your resume. Right. Uh, and I said, I don't remember what I had coming on doing, but it was kind of like, uh, I can come in tomorrow. Uh-huh. So I came in on Tuesday. Yeah. We sat down for a couple minutes and then you're like, all right, let's do this. And I said, just like that. Okay, let's do it. And I said, you're like, when can you start? I was like, I don't know, Monday. You're like, you start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I came in, but reason I bring up that story is uh, one, it kind of ties in with the, you know, coming from nothing. But even here, when I got my first paycheck two weeks later, you told me to wait to cash it. Yeah. You were like, hold, can you wait a few days? Do you mind waiting a few days? And I was like, I mean, here we go. Here we go again. We go again. So I, all that to say 1031 crowdfunding didn't start out gold. No. There no. wasn't gold from day one. I started it with $60,000 and that $60,000 was given to me from a guy who wanted to hire me. And God told me, don't take on a job. Do you want to work for me or do you want to work for a guy? And I said, God, Lord, I want to work for you. He said, well, stop looking for a job. So I reached out to this guy who wanted to hire me. I said, look, I'm starting this thing. I don't have nothing. You know what I can do. And he and, and, and both him and his partner sent me 60 grand. I put 30,000 in my bank account. I was wondering at the time, how was I going to take my family to vacation? And that $30,000 ended up allowing us to go to Maui, which it was a God thing. I mean, I was so happy. And then I took the 30, uh, the additional $30,000 and I gave it to securities attorneys and they created an offering for me, which I did with your father for many, many, many years. So I knew what I was doing and I was able to raise a half a million dollars selling air, right? I mean, an air is free, right? Right. So I sold air for half a million dollars. And here we are today. We're able to take that half a million dollars and create this amazing company where everyone who works for us prospers. That's the bottom line. I tell you this right now. You can go and start interviewing one by one, 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 how people have come and how their lives have changed. So Ed and Ruth Fernandez are not the only ones that are being blessed with 1031 crowdfunding. Everyone who works for us, who's actually family, right? We have family that works for us. They just happen to be our employees, have prospered. So God has been, and you know, look, this, this show, this podcast may not be for people. But I'm going to tell you right now, with the way this country is going, we need some God in it. 
Not even some God. We need a lot of God in it because we are going the wrong way. Our kids are getting messed up. We got mass shootings. We've got the political unrest. We have half the country doing one thing, the other half doing the other thing. We've got all kinds of people doing whatever they want to do. But as soon as you mention God, oh my God, it's taboo. But this show... We're going to get a lot of God in it. And if it's not for you, that's okay. But you know what? I'm not sweeping my father under the rug. We're going to talk about some Jesus, and we're going to talk about Jesus all the time. Well, that's why it's called the Ed Fernandez. Yeah, I don't even talk care. about whatever you want. I don't even care, man. I love me some Jesus. Can't so, get enough. Can't so, get enough. Kind of along those lines, you were talking about how you, it seems like you had it all before you lost it in 2008. You had the house. You had the cars. You yeah. Had, but what? Your definition of wealth, how has that changed over your Oh, life? my God. Wealth is not stuff. It's not stuff. Stuff comes and goes all the time. I mean, I thought I was doing well then. Oh, because I, you know, I knew you. I started at that company in 2009. Yeah. I had worked there as an intern before that. But I saw you. You were the big baller. Yeah. Man. You would walk in. I don't know what you're You're driving a Beamer, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your suit. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. your sunglasses on. Bought my first Rolex. Yeah, you got your yeah. Rolex. Right. Yep. Your first Rolex. And I thought I was balling. I thought I was. Well, you were, you were the highest producer at the company. Yeah. And, I, and, and it was, you know, it was sub, it was at a level that I never been before. Right. Right. And. It wasn't at a level, though, that caused me to exercise humility. Which is what we're going to get into. Yeah. It was a level that I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, but it wasn't a level where you're driving the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and you're wearing the $200,000 watch level, right? Where when that happens and you're a follower of, of, of my Lord... You either, you have to choose. Either your identity is the stuff you have, and then you have an ego, you have a prideful look. Oh, look at those guys' shoes. Or you walk in humility, and you let God, like, Lord, this is your stuff. Thank you for letting me use it. Mm -hmm. There's a whole different level. I'm going to tell you this. You don't know what humility is until you have something to be humbled about. If you driving, look, nothing wrong with driving some beat up hoopty. I mean, right? Nothing all, wrong. I know all, there's a lot of people that do that. It's okay. That. I've driven yeah. beat up hoopty, right? When you driving a beat up hoopty, ain't no one staring at you. Ain't no one taking pictures of you. Right here, we, we got a, like in San Clemente, we have a show called Cars and Coffee. Right when I drive in my eight twelve super fast and Largo kit, one of eighteen in the world, mm-hmm. it snaps necks, right? And people are taking pictures. That is the difference. Are you beating your chest and saying, "Look at me," or is it? It's just a nice car, right? It's, it, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. I remember. So my wife worked here at the company. 1031 crowdfunding for a while. She was your right hand. She was gal. rock. She's a rock star. She sure is. Shout out Kiva. Yeah. She got, she's a bait. She's at home now. She's a mama. Yep. Thank God. Yep. That's a miracle in itself. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But I remember her because she was right next to you, right? Yeah. So you would be on the phone saying, and you're not a quiet guy. I'll say that. No, I got a big Everybody mouth. can hear. Yeah, I got a big mouth. <laughs> your voice carries. Yeah. So he's, she's it's like, you know. We're just talking, and she's like, "Is Ed getting a Ferrari?" I was like, "I don't know, not that I know of, but you, you never know. You know, things are going, starting to go well here. You know, we were in Lake Forest at the time, and sure. we moved from a tiny office where we were all together to one where everybody had kind of own. had their own yeah. space. You and Kevin were still sharing. Yeah, we were still sharing <laughs> an office, you know. Kevin's been here. Kevin, miracle maker right here. Yeah, he's doing all the video all the stuff. Camera. He's he's the one that makes us look good. Yeah. Cuz but you would say it's not that hard of me. <laughs> I did I it know. for you that time. I don't time. know what that looks like. Anyway, so I'm not just playing. That was that was the fr- that was I remember looking out when you did get it. Cause I'm a car guy, yeah. I'm a car guy. Yeah. Since I was, and I was like, it's it's a new level. Yeah, it was a new level. When what? When did you notice? When did you notice that shift of 
Oh, because like you said, we're in we're in Irvine. Yeah, you're in Newport every weekend. Yeah, nobody's looking at a BMW. No, no. So you're maybe if you're in the hood, you know, people might look at a BMW a certain way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But when did you notice that people were looking and you, you know, that feeling that yeah. it's like yeah. that pride. Yeah. When's the first, do you remember a time or was it just gradual? Yeah. So Ruth, my wife, we were driving. I don't know. At the time I, I loved BMWs. I think I had some type of, high-end BMW. I forgot what it was. She talks, she looks at me, she goes, I see you, I saw you driving a Ferrari. I was like, what? Never, ever thought in my mind about a Ferrari. Mm -hmm. So I go and there's this guy that I used to buy watches from and he has this California. Now, knowing what I know, that's the entry level Ferrari. Yeah, for those that don't know, yeah. that's that's the Ferrari for people that want a Ferrari that maybe can't afford a like a le, like a legit Ferrari. No offense to the California, no, California. Owners. It's a Ferrari, but it ain't the Ferrari, right? Okay, so I get a California, and me and my wife are driving down Newport Coast. I'm going to Javier's. Okay. And I think that I'm all that in a bag of chips. Right? Oh, yeah. We got the top down. It's a convertible. And we're just cruising. Beautiful day. Look in my rearview mirror. And I see another Ferrari coming up behind me. Didn't know what kind. I didn't know anything about Ferraris. Okay. I'm just, this is all new to me. Right. But it's nice, right? Leather. And it's, it's beautiful. And I see this Ferrari coming up behind me. And he gets in the other lane to pass me. And he steps on it, and I step on it, and he goes, Foo! I was like, the heck is that? Because <laughs> you got in that California, and like, oh, this thing moves. I, I got in that California, and it wasn't moving fast enough. Right then, but right? you thought it was I fast I thought it was relative. all that in a bag of chips. I was like, wow, this is Ferrari. Then all this other Ferrari just went flying by me. I was like, what the? And I get up on the lane, and I look at this thing. Look at my thing. What is that? Oh, heck no. I ain't doing this. So I, we go to Newport Beach Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I give that car away. Uh-huh. Okay. I gave it to somebody. And I said, give me this one. Bought my first 488 Spider from Newport Beach Ferrari. And was it a 48, 488 that passed you? It was a 488 that passed me, but it was all stock. Right. Right. It was all stock. This 488 had aftermarket wheels. It had an exhaust on it. It had a tune on it. So I didn't buy some OEM that's like, you know, original Ferrari. My first Ferrari was modified by Bowden Auto House. Okay. Give the shout out to Bowden. Bowden, Josh, my boy. By the way, we're partners. And I didn't know until someone said, they looked at the exhaust and they go, that's a B there. I said, what is that? And they go, it's Bowden. I said, what the heck is Bowden? So I go to Bowden and I meet Josh. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, every single car I have has been modified by Bowden. Mm -hmm. We call it edified. Edified. Not modified. We call it Edified. I got my license plate on my Lambo says edified because I take a car and I modify it so it don't look like everybody else's car. Right. So well, when I'm driving down, I mean that's you didn't buy that off the rack. No, either. no. So you know, I don't like do. looking like everyone else, right? Yeah. I don't want all these Ferraris and then they look I'm like okay, that's a red one, that's a pink one, that's a pro, uh, no. That's that's an Ed car. Right. Right. When you look at my cars, you know that's an Ed car. But shout out to Bowden. They do a phenomenal job oh, yeah, with yeah, all yeah, their yeah. cars. They do great cars. So when did you, back to the question, when did you realize that maybe you were getting a little bit too much people looking at you and you enjoying it? Oh, so we wrapped, Bowden wrapped this, my Ferrari, and the wrap was designed by Skeppel mm -hmm. out of Florida. 
And you got to wait months to get his stuff, right? Yeah, for those who don't know, he's he's one of the premier designers of rap. So any of the top cars that you see, the exotics for the rallies or yeah, what have you, he's he one. probably designed it. He did, yeah, so he designed this web like it was supposed to be molecules mm -hmm. because we were we were starting a company called extend five it was cbd and supplements and things like that so we wrapped the car in this matte black with gloss molecules and gold lettering mm -hmm. bowden was able to paint match and make gold calipers Mm -hmm. on a Ferrari. Okay, don't exist. You either get yellow, da, da. these were gold. Right. And it had HRE wheels on it, right? It was lowered, had a tune, had titanium exhaust. It was sick. Right. And when I went down the street with the top closed, I, I mean, I wish I never sold that car, man. That car, I miss it so much. It was so sick. It was snapping necks. Yeah, you had to make some room, though. I know. I had to make room, but I, sh I wish I wouldn't have sold it. Um, we might be able to do it again, though. You know what I mean? Because I still have all the design, mm -hmm. right? Something to think about. Never, you know, shoot, I might do it again. But Maybe on one of the race cars. Yeah, you know, it, it was sick. But when I would drive that car down the street, I had people following me home. To take pictures. That's when I started getting puffed up. That's when I started becoming prideful. That's when I was like, you know, it, it's funny when you drive, you're driving to see you, and you see people looking at you coming. When you know that you're prideful is when you're looking in the rearview mirror, seeing the people taking pictures. Yeah. Look at me. And that happened to me. And God was not happy. I see you guys leaving the office, you or Ruth. And maybe I'll be following you. There's people on the street corner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All the time. All the time. All the time. But now it doesn't matter to me. Now I don't. Now it's not important to me. Now I don't care who's taking pictures. Now I'm not looking at someone taking a picture. Now I'm not trying to get recognition. Before I was like, look at me. I'm all that in the back. Look at me. Look new. at me. It was, look, all, it was well. all me. It was all new. But you know what? It wasn't okay because I became a very arrogant, prideful jerk. And I thought I was better than everyone else. I thought that having the stuff meant that I was better than a person that didn't have the stuff. I would find myself, and I use the term a prideful spirit, I would find myself looking at people's clothes, looking at people's shoes, and, and, and making, you know, one of the things in the Bible is abomination. There are seven things that are abomination. The first one is a prideful look. I just read that the other day. And I realized and you know how God got my attention? How? Oh. He'd break my car. So one of the rules to drive one of these cars was I had to have worship music in the car. Because the worship music would actually make sure I focus on who gave it to me. Now, because you wouldn't be, fo if you were listening to that, you would think twice before thinking like, oh, look at, look yeah. at me. Yeah, so at I, didn't, I didn't listen. Okay. I didn't. Li and I know this sounds crazy. Of course. But you're asking me about humility. This is a show about humility. And I know this sounds crazy, but this is what happened to me. I had this 48 Ferrari sick car. And when I didn't listen to worship music, the car would break. And I'd be set on the side of the road looking like an idiot getting a tow truck to pick up my Ferrari. There's people that take pictures because they love the car. And then there's people that take pictures of a broken down Ferrari. Yeah, and I was one of those guys. Love that I was like, hey, look at my broken car on a tow truck. Right. You get, and, and so I was like, why is this car breaking? Stupid car. And I'd be like, hmm, are you doing this? How long did it take you to find that out? Because it kept Maybe happening. That, okay. It kept happening. And I was pissed. And Newport Beach Ferrari couldn't find anything wrong with the car. Uh-huh. And so I said, okay. So I turned on worship music. 
No problem. Turn off the worship people. Turn on the worship people. It's like, ah, you're doing this thing, man. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would listen to worship music. My wife would get in the car and go, put on this thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. No, we can't. She's like, why not? I can't, I can't do that. We'll stay on the side of the road. It'll ruin the whole weekend. No, we're listening to worship music. So I'd be listening to worship music. Then I got an F8 Spider, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a 488 Spider. I got an F8 Spider, right? It was, I ordered it and I got it in. Which is basically the next body style. Yeah, next body car, similar car, same chassis, things like that. He wouldn't break the car. He would break the radio. What the heck? Brand new car, man. 40 40 delivery miles. Brand new car. Got delivered to my house. Right? Didn't even drive to my house. They delivered it. And it, it wouldn't work. As soon as I turned on worship music, the radio would work. And I got the message. I finally said, you know what, Lord? Okay. I need to listen to worship music. And as I continue to do what he told me to do, it got better. But I can tell you this, man. There's a lot of wealthy people that are very arrogant, egotistical, very selfish. And it's sad. Because you can be wealthy, but you also can be kind thoughtful, empathetic, compassionate. You could be a giver. You can be meek. You could be soft. You could be humble. And if you put them both on the scale, which one's the more powerful? The one that's wealthy and submits his wealth to his father or the one that's wealthy and that submits his wealth to his ego and to his actual glory? And I chose this. So when now, everything that I have, and look, again, you may not like this, but it's okay. But you know what? The Bible talks about that the wealth of the wicked is held up for the just. We are the tip of the spear to change this world for the kingdom of God through our wealth. And this is just the beginning. So it took a long time to be humble. Am I perfect? No, I mean, it took, I got the best shoes. I mean, I got too many shoes. I wish I was a size, <laughs> your size. Because <laughs> I know there's just trash bags. I got super out. nice watches. And by the way, I hate, I, well, I don't hate, but I don't like Richard Millie's. Okay. I'm not spending a half a million dollars on a plastic watch, or they call it ceramic. But to me, it's plastic. Patek, too small for a Patek, right? I don't like Patek. I think I might get one though, but right now I'm not. I'm a Rolex and AP guy, okay? And I had to go through that with watches, right? The same thing as the same cars. Same thing. The cars, then it went to the watches. And before that, it was, clo- I mean, clothes, clothes right? Even before and shoes. That. Right. I mean, I, I was looking, these were outlets to satisfy my ego. Yeah, you were going to South Coast Plaza every weekend just... just- Buying stuff, right. just spending stupid money. Because it feels good walking in there. There's a line, but you get escorted. Uh, yeah, I got, I'm VIP. Me and my wife are VIP. We can go to Gucci. We can go to AP. We can go here. We don't have to wait in line. Balenciaga. We don't. We don't wait in line. Hey, how you doing? Come on in. Yeah, for the for the listeners that don't know, uh, South Coast Plaza is one of the. I think it's top three biggest mall in as far as gross income in the U.S. It might be the biggest, uh, but. They have all these design, every design you could think of, but you can't just walk into a Gucci yeah. all the time. There's a line with velvet ropes. Yeah. And uh, it looks like you're going to a new club or something. You know, yeah. it's a bouncer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you're on the VIP list, there's a personal shopper. Yeah, we don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. Ruth has her personal shopper at Neva Marcus. They deliver, they ship her stuff, and she don't like it. She sends it back. I mean, it's just a whole other level. Which feels good. It's, it's right. It, it you feels walk good. in there, and you're like. It feels good. But when, you, when you're doing that, the, the satisfaction and the self-gratification is at the time when you buy the product. When it gets put in the bag, you leave the store and you get home. You're piling up boxes of shoes you haven't even opened yet. Mm-hmm. You've got shirts and clothes with tags on them you haven't 
the 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 satisfaction is over. Right. It, it's 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 an instant gratification that satisfies your flesh that you spend a lot of money on. But when you become a when you get to a point to where those things don't matter and you still like the nice things, your identity is not in the things that you have. Your identity becomes in who you follow, and in this case, is our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, that's my identity. So it, it took a long time to get there. It took a while. Well, not a long time because this has happened like quick, right? We went boom. You always said, "Put on your spacesuit." We're, we're going, going to, to the, the moon, moon, baby. Yeah, and we we're we're like in the rocket ship right now. Yeah, right, and we could see the moon. Right, we're going to the moon, and this is just the beginning. And and the same thing happened with our plane. Right, we have a plane. How do you buy a plane? You go to the plane parking lot? Is there a plane salesman? It's not like buying a car. But God would tell me, Ruth would tell me, you got to get a plane. I'm like, Ruth, I don't need no stupid plane. What do I need a stupid plane for? Right? God, get a plane, get a plane, get a plane, get a plane. So one day, we go to Mercedes. God says, go to the Mercedes store. I want you to go look at those Sprinter vans. I'm thinking, Lord, I am not getting no stupid Sprinter van and traveling the country for 1031 crowdfunding. I already did that, and I've done that for years. I am not doing that, okay? I thought he wanted me to do that. No. So I looked at the Sprinter vans. They're 100 grand, 125 grand. And I'm like, man, we can buy these stuff all cash. And God says, the way you think about this Sprinter van and the way you think you buy it all cash is the same way I want you to think about this plane. I said, what? So we got a plane. It's a Legacy 600, $20 million plane. And I will never, ever fly commercial again. Ever. I am so spoiled. But your again, w- your wife will for the for the record. She's she's not. You're the bougie one uh, out of the two. Of oh, them, she but. she still flies you commercial. Could, yeah, but yeah. me, I told her you messed it all up. <laughs> you can't expect me to go and deal with TSA and God. I'm sitting like this with the big old other dude next to me and and the cart hitting my arm and I I, I won't do it. The plane also was another level of humility. Because when you go, so you're driving a really nice car, you roll, you go through security, you follow the the guy who's taking you in, the, the doors open on the plane, they got the red carpet, and you roll your car right to the front of that door, you got everyone opening it up your trunks and stuff. They grab your bags. They put in the plane. You got the pilot right there. How you doing, Mr. Fernandez? And then you walk on that plane and they're waiting for you. Sit down and poof. That's a whole other level of humility. It took a little while. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my plane. Look at this. Look at that. Now it's just a tool for me. Now it's just a a tool to travel and travel fast. And that's why we have the plane. But you notice, right? I went from a BMW to a Ferrari, California, to a 488. Now I've got, I've got Pista, F8, 812. I've got GT2 RS. I've got... 911 Turbo S, I got a GT4, I've got a STO, I've got a Urus, I've got a Black Badge Ghost, I've got a truck, I've got two out, I've got cars after cars after cars after cars, and my, I'm not saying that to boast. My back, too. Yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> and I got, I got the Mercedes, my back, all of them modified. I got the plane, I've got the watches. And it took time to realize it's great to have all this stuff. I'm a child of the most high God. He owns all the thousand cattle and a thousand hill and all the gold on earth. And I, I, I don't sit at the table and get under the table and beg for bread. I eat as I see fit. So why can Jeff Bezos 
and all these other guys have all this stuff, but I can't. When I follow a guy that owns everything, it took a little while to get to the point to where we said, you know what? It's just stuff. It's nice stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love my cars and I love my stuff, but I'm not in love with it. I love it, but I'm not in love with it. And it doesn't, it's not my identity. It doesn't define doesn't you. doesn't define me. It's just, but it does. It is a testimony. Because you, if you're not wearing that watch, driving that car, people don't just come up to you in the street. No. People, right? you know, many times people ask me, oh, hey, sir, what do you do for a living? What do you do? First thing I say, man, is like, number one, man, you got to love God. Number one. Number two, do what you really love to do and what you're really good at. And the, you follow those two things, sky's the limit. Nothing's impossible for you. doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter how much education you get. doesn't matter. God could take somebody from a cave and make them a billionaire. Someone can take a, a man who was kicked to the curb from his dad, born in a dysfunctional family, no higher education to make him a billionaire. Mm-hmm. It's possible. So you just got to follow, you know, got to follow God. This is a little segueing into into relationship. Okay. You hear it all the time, the person that wins the lottery, you know, or strikes it big somehow. Yeah. And everybody treats them different. Yeah. How do you, has this happened to you? And how do you navigate that? You know, that's a great question because it, 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 it's now. It happens all the time. It's unfortunate that a lot of these personal shoppers deal with very entitled individuals and very arrogant individuals. And these personal shoppers, unfortunately, act like slaves. Oh, how are you doing? And, and they're just constantly catering to you. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. Makes Ruth feel very uncomfortable to the point to where we tell them, look, we're just, we're just people. You don't have to do all this stuff for us. Thank you. We appreciate it. It's really cool. It makes us feel special. But you know what? I just want you to be you. Just help us with what we need to help. You don't have to go this extra mile with us. So yeah, it, it, it happens and it continues to happen where people think they have to act a certain way because the majority of the people that have money act the way that they need to be entitled and they need to be pampered. Don't get me wrong. It's nice. It is a wonderful feeling when people pamper you, but it becomes very uncomfortable when people start serving you uh, in a way that they are thinking it needs to be done because of past experience with other people. We won't do that. And we don't allow people to do that to us. Well, one thing, one of your guys' hobbies is driving the cars, yeah. going to your favorite restaurants, you know, on the weekends. And whenever I'm eat, sharing a meal with you at one of these places, they, most people know you, yeah. if not everybody. Yeah. And there's a reason why they're, ha- they're happy to see you. And it's not because you leave a great tip which you do take care of people, but that's besides the point. It's because yeah. they enjoy your company in there. Yeah. And they're used to, these are in wealthy areas and they're used to what you're saying. Yeah. These people that think that I'm better than you, this level, Yeah, you're serving me. How did this come out this way? Or how can you do this to me? It's, it's a, any little wrong turn and they're flipping out on these people. Yeah. You see it all the time. But when you walk in, it's like a friend it's, walking. It, 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 we're family. Yeah. Right? I can go to Javier's. They know us. Newport Beach. That's a plug. We're all family. Right. They're all Latinos. They all speak Spanish. They all love my wife. They all love my family. They know my kids. They know they know my land shark under my feet. Avor. Marche. dog. I think we know. Marche, the French restaurant here in Newport Beach. Right. Mastros. They all know us and they all love us. And we love them because they treat us very, very well, but they're not, they're not our slaves. They're just our friends who happen to have a job that serves us. Right. Right. So yeah, it's, it, we're trying, we want to change the perception of what a follower of Jesus is that has money. 
That's what we're doing. We're changing that perception. What routine... Well, before I get into that, back to the relationship. Yeah. What do you mean when you say relationship? What do you mean? What I mean is how people treat you. Yeah. And we went down one way, which I wanted to touch on anyway, about the people treating you around and the relationships you have with people out there. But what about people that you knew or know? Oh, my God. That's what what I'm talking about. How did you relate? These people that you did or did not have relationship with, how did that change when they see that you, oh, that that has a Ferrari? Yeah, it it sucks because they come out of the woodwork. So I've got family um, and... When you start making money, family automatically believes they're entitled to your wealth. And that's so far from the truth. That ain't funny. So I got cousins. I've got uncles. I've got, you know, I've got all kinds of people, right? And even high school friends. That's why I don't do social media. You know, I do have a Facebook account. I do have an Instagram account. I haven't deleted them, but I don't post. I never do nothing on there. My wife, she does. I don't. And the reason why is that a breaching well is easily harpooned. Yeah, unpack that. Right? Think about it. A well that stays under the water, you cannot harpoon that well. As soon as that well comes out of the water to breathe, that's when the harpoons come. So I choose to stay under the water, i.e. not use social media. Because as soon as I use social media, I'm coming out of the water and I'm getting harpooned, right? I don't know who's watching me. Right. I don't know, you know, if somebody, you know, this world is crazy right now. It's, especially the United States, got to be very, very careful. And so I don't want to show anyone what I have. If you know me, you know what I have. And the reason, and so Facebook and, and Instagram is all fake, it's it, it really all fake, right? All these people posting all these things, you know, and, and you know, at these nice places showing like they got all this money and everything like that. Or, or it's, or it's, it's a way to kind of um, feed your ego or your narcissism. If everybody's like liking and loving and commenting. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. I need that attention. I need that attention. I need that attention. That's not good for me because I know me, right? I know that when I was, struggling with the humility part, I know if I go back on social media and I start posting all my cars and everything and my watches and all that other stuff, I know people are going to start commenting it and I'm going to start looking for the comments and then I'm going to start wanting to actually post more and more and more and more and more. And I'm too old for that. I'm 55 years old. I don't have time for that. Right. I got, I got, I got money to make. I got a business I got to run. So I don't social media due to the fact that I don't want no one to know what I have. And I don't need the attention, nor do I want the attention. I mean, it took me forever to do these shows because I don't want to be famous. I don't need to be famous. I don't want to be famous. Don't get me wrong. I want the money that fame brings, but I don't want to walk down the street and people, hey, how you doing? You know, there's a lot of YouTubers out there that do all that stuff. That that that, And there's guys that are in my business that do that, right? I won't name any names, but, you know, there are guys out there like, you know, doing social media with, oh, which Richard Mealy should I buy? And, and should I get this one and this one? And look at my house here. And look at, that's not me, right? And, and, and I don't want to do that. Um, so my point is, is that the relationships have drastically changed to where I had to isolate myself to those that have been around me from the very beginning when I didn't have nothing. Now that I have all that I have, those that weren't around me when I didn't have nothing now want to be around me. And, and, and I mean, I get phone calls. I haven't talked to somebody for five years. You know, look, you can't save the world. I remember one phone call. I'm about to kick, get kicked out of my house. My daughter's this, my daughter's that. I'm like, I haven't talked to you in five years. You're asking me for $10,000? Are you out of your mind? Right. Right? So, yeah, it's changed a lot. Um, it has changed dramatically for my children. My children got a really good life, you know, but it also brought challenges, right? How do I teach my children, my young adults, 
the value of money, the value of hard work, the value of being appreciated and, and appreciate what, what you have. It, it's hard to balance that out when it comes to, because uh, they never really experienced poverty. They, the oldest one, like Darren, his birthday today, right? He may remember a little bit of it, but throughout. But you did a good job as a parent. Yeah. Parents, he never lacked, they never lacked anything. They don't need to. They don't need to know about financial troubles at a certain. Absolutely age. not. None they, of the kids. Yeah, absolutely not. None of my kids knew we had financial trouble. We would hide it from them. Santa Claus came every stinking Christmas. You figured it we, out. We figured it out. But now they know. They see it. They ride in the plane. They see the cars we have. They know we got money. They know there's an inheritance. They know there's a legacy. How do we? How do we balance that out and teach these young adults the value? And that's the struggle now. Speaking of value, what's a time that you consciously chose your value over the financial gain? Do you remember a point where I'm going to stick because money comes and goes and you've been through that, but was there a time that something was offered to you or a deal or anything like that, but you're like, I'm not doing this because of my, I'm, st- I'm sticking with my values instead. That of- happens all the time. Tom. Okay. okay. All the time. It happens all the time. Um, it, it's not a, it's not a choice. Well, it's a choice, but that's a surface level answer. You choose to be humble or you choose to be arrogant. But it's very difficult to just choose. There has to be an influence that pulls you, right? And so for me, I choose I chose to be obedient and submissive to my Lord and Savior and that required humility. And it was easy to choose because I'm so much in love because God has done so much for me in my life. It was difficult to, and I'm not there yet. I don't think I'll ever be there yet. I'm a lot better than I used to be. But when you have the creator of heaven and earth blessing you all the time and making things happen that you thought could never be possible, it makes it easy to say, okay, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And that's what caused me to choose the direction that I'm going in is for the love of my father. Mm. I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. And I know there ain't a bunch of church show folk. And you're probably going to hear this and go, oh, this guy's a Christian guy. Beep, hang it up. But you know what? If I get that one person right. to understand what I'm talking about, again, we need some Jesus in our lives with everything that's going on. And if I can be a spokesperson for this, so be it. I ain't needing a million clicks. I don't even care. You watch it, you watch it. You don't watch it, you don't watch it. I love you all. Don't matter. But I'm here for people who need guidance. Yeah, because they see these their role models on social media or whatever. Yes, they have the same stuff as you. But that's the end-all, be-all, more stuff, more stuff. Yeah, they have two cell phones, by the way. Yeah. Two cell phones. You know why? One for their wife and one for their girlfriend. Girlfriends. Girlfriends, right? right? So I go and I go get my car done. And this is the first time I meet Josh from Bowdoin. And he thought I was one of those guys. Yeah, because it's a it's a small it's a small yeah. world here in Newport when the car scene and and so my wife goes to go pick up her ghost and he disregards her and I had to check him real quick. I love you, Josh, but my my wife, when you see my wife, you see me. Yeah, and when you see me, you see my wife. There ain't no Ed and Ruth. It's Ed and Ruth, mm-hmm. and and he learned really quick. He's like, man, you know, I'm not used to this. 
Guys it's like the you, same thing as the servers yeah, at a restaurant. Guys like you got shopper. two cell phones. Guys like you, you know, they're they're cheating on their wives and they're taking their girlfriends to Cabo and I'm going to hang it out with these guys and stuff like that. I'm like, Josh, that's not me. So he had to learn. So and so now we become a mentor and a role model to these young men who are in this lifestyle to show them that's not normal. Here's what's normal. Being a good dad, being a good husband, being a good businessman, being a good employee, being a good friend, being compassionate, understanding, sympathetic, empathetic. That's 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 who we are. So, right. I mean, it's it's crazy, but I love the life. I love the life. I wouldn't give it up for anything. Yeah, it's kind of because we talked about the moon, right? And yeah. that's how fast it took off. It was kind of like, you know, you played football. Yeah. It's kind of like you signed an NFL contract. Oh, yeah. And then it's like the next day... It, took way longer than that yeah. of course years and years and but it could seem like that to people a perception like that oh like we got it overnight right no right yeah. how do you with your roots you know staying in your roots and how you grew up what principles did you take now in your wealth how how do you remember where you came from it's very easy to remember where i came from because i have journaled since 1995 from 1995 to today, I have journals about my entire journey. And it's easy to go back and see the struggles. I remember the crying. I remember the going through the grocery stores and getting top ramen and mac and, mac and cheese because that's all we can afford. I remember that. I remember shopping at Pick and Save. I don't even know what it's called now. Big Lots, I guess. You know, we had to shop there because we couldn't afford. I remember, you know, going to just, you know, secondhand stores. I remember all that stuff because we didn't have the money. I remember my wife working like all night and all day. I remember my wife sometimes having to help clean houses to make some money. I remember that stuff. I mean, we know what it is not to have money. Now we know what it is to have money. And believe me, I'd rather have money and not have money, but it's easy to remember. It is so easy to remember that sometimes it's difficult to have fun because you remember so much that you think that you're going to crumble and fall, that you're so in fear of losing what God has given you that it makes it very difficult to have fun and, and have a blessing and, and enjoy what God has given you. And that's where I am today. I just want to work, 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 work. But God is telling me, why am I giving you all these things when you're not even going to be happy and have fun? Right. It takes the same amount of faith to have fun as it is when it not to have fun. And so that's where I'm in my life now. So now... I made a commitment. I'm going to go to Europe. Never been to Europe, right? Freaking out because I got to run this company. But I now have to learn how to have fun with what God has given me. And that's my journey that I'm walking right now. Yeah, that's a whole nother trust. That's a like, whole other. It's not going to crumble trust. while you're gone. Yeah, it's a whole other trust, a whole other faith. But I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to do the best I can to have because my wife, she is a fun person. And I want to have fun with her. Yeah, absolutely. that's my goal. Well, I think I have one last question to wrap it up. And this probably, we probably need a part two of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, We got, you're going to be on live news here soon. So we got to wrap this up. (laughs) uh, Who or what would you say keeps you grounded? My relationship with God is the number one thing. Uh, You know, I use God, you know, the term God, but at the end of the day, it's my Lord Jesus Christ, my father. My heavenly father is what keeps me grounded. I don't want to disappoint him. I want to love him. I want to do what he tells me to do because he has a destiny for me. I have no idea where he's going to take me. But if I'm obedient, he's going to take me where I could not even imagine. And then at one point, I'm going to be a testimony of how good my God is, how glorious my God is, how extravagant my God is. Because my God is not a poor God, a cheap God. He's not a mean God. He's not a God that wants to hurt you, kill you, steal from you. He's a God that loves you, wants the best for you. And that's why I am grounded because I want to fulfill what God has birthed me to be. And that is a billionaire glorifying him and changing this world. I think that's, oh, don't let me start preaching, boy. <laughs> I think that's a perfect. I'm going to start preaching, boy. Perfect. You're uh, scaring the dog under the table. Sorry, sorry. That's, anymore, a, that's my a bad. perfect way to end this. And uh, 
just to our audience, if you like this, like and subscribe and leave comments because we, we want to share this message to in a world that isn't receiving this message. No. They're receiving a message about wealth is everything in stuff. And you know it's not. It's not. You know, this world is, is you know, they're trying to take your kids away. They're trying to indoctrinate your kids. They're trying to, they're trying to do a lot of crazy things. And, and it's a godless, it's a godless country right now. And we, without God, we're in big trouble. Right. So that ain't me. That's not I'm you. a I'm a lover of Jesus. I'm a Bible thumper. I'm a preacher. I'm an evangelist. And I'm a billionaire mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. I'm oh, sorry, Darian. Okay. <laughs> Every time he slams the table, Darian... Uh, He's like, Dad, don't explodes. slam the table. It's jacking up my own. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess I do have one more question. Yeah. What car did you drive today? My uh, 2022... Uh, Lamborghini STO with a supercharger and HR, HRE carbon barrel wheels. And that's, I think it's wrapped too, isn't it? And it's, it's wrapped a- and it's ghost out with STO on it. Yeah. And the license plate is edified. Nice. All right. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Ed. Thank you, everyone. Sorry, man. I know, man, we're getting a little deep, but it's all good. Like it. Click. Don't like it, don't click. I love you all anyway. (laughs) Next time. Adios. Thanks, Tom.